Coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balance is the founder of Dollar Four, Jared Walker, who is crushing medical bills, joins us on the show. Stick around. That's coming up next. Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Craftwork Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Craftwork Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed. And please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions. Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka. And this week, we've got a special guest with us, the founder of the organization Dollar Four. We welcome Jared Walker to the show. Jared, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So we're really excited to shine a little bit of light that we have on your organization. Anything helps, I think. And uh, we learned about you through an NPR article and the more I've learned, the more interested I've become in kind of what you're doing. Can you start with just a little bit of background for us on kind of where you come from and and what led you into the organization that you're currently running? Yeah, so I am in the Pacific Northwest. I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and I had no big dreams of ever starting a nonprofit. Uh, I uh, yeah, 2012, my wife and I were sitting at home. She got a phone call. Uh, her aunt had passed away from cancer. And then a few minutes later, I got a phone call. My cousin had gone into labor, uh, seven weeks premature and the baby needed a heart surgery to live. So same day, same hour, we were kind of hit with these medical emergencies in our family. And, um, you know, just the realization kicked in of a lot of times when people have a medical crisis, they have a financial crisis. And I wanted to help people avoid that, you know, uh, burden. So I actually started crowdfunding in Portland, Oregon to help people pay medical bills, really grassroots, uh, you know, small events at coffee shops and breweries and music venues. And every month we'd pool the money together and pay medical bills for people in our community. So I did that uh, for several years. And then uh, I stumbled across charity care and hospital financial assistance and all that. And, um, obviously taken, taken us in a different direction. So yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a background in, in healthcare or nonprofits or anything like that. I just kind of stumbled into it, I guess. So you mentioned charity care, which is brand new to me. I've never heard about that until Ross introduced me to your organization. Can you explain to our listeners what that is and how long that's been a thing for? Because I mean, for me, it's completely eye-opening and I think can help millions of people. Yeah, definitely. The So when the Affordable Care Act passed, uh, this is over a decade, it required nonprofit hospitals, which is most in America, to have charity care policies. And essentially, hospitals get a ton of tax breaks and benefits from being nonprofits. And in order for them to prove that they are providing community benefit and, and justifying that nonprofit status to the IRS, they have to provide charity care. Uh, and that is free or reduced care to people within a certain income range. So if you uh, meet the income requirements, hospitals are legally required to waive your medical bills. And as you can imagine, they don't do a great job of telling people about it. So we have millions and millions of people declaring bankruptcy or on payment plans for bills that they don't have to pay. 
Yeah, I mean, it's commonly quoted that medical bills are one of the leading causes of bankruptcy and, and what percentage that is, um, I'm sure we could quibble over and, and don't need to. But uh, these medical bills are, are in many cases just an incredible burden, uh, if not a something that sets people back for, for potentially a decade in terms of what they're going to be able to do financially and, and their ability to borrow and all of their other costs get get completely jacked up as a result of this. And so um, I view this as just in, incredibly meaningful work. What's the hospital's requirement to tell people about this? I mean, is, is this kind of like an OSHA poster that's in the back of every employer workplace where you're like, yeah, these are your rights. And I'm sure you read this every day when you go to lunch or uh, what, what is the actual requirement for them to share the information? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, so the law says that they have to have policies. And they're technically supposed to have a department that would vet people for these policies as well. Uh, now, how do you vet people or check eligibility for people? Um, there are a lot of hospitals, as you mentioned, that have a poster in their ER room. So when you go to the ER, you know, I mean, I'm usually not going to be reading a lot of posters on the wall. Uh, so you know, there's that, there is uh, hospitals say, you know, well, we put a number on the back of the bill. So if they call that number, you know, they, they can be directed to charity care. Um, and a lot of times that really just goes to the billing department and they'll put you on a payment plan. So it, it you know, the requirements are that the, the policies exist and that they are supposed to, you know, kind of tell people about them. Now, there's not a requirement on like how much charity care they have to give or, uh, it, you know, it's not like a lot of people think of this as, you know, a pool of money and you got to get to it, you know, first come, first serve kind of thing. And, and you know, the, the pool of money dries up at, at the end of the year. Um, it's not the case. And uh, so, the, you know, those are the requirements. And obviously it's vague and, and the hospitals take advantage of that for sure. Yeah. I mean, when you're in a situation where you're at a hospital it's probably not a good thing. More often than not, it's not a good thing. And then having to exit that situation with a bill that's causing additional stress is just a all around bad scenario. And you're probably just going to do whatever you can to eliminate the pain as fast as you can. I'm sure for most, it's just, I'm going to pay it off. I'm going to pay what I can and try to worry about it later. And if you don't have the resources available to you to let you know about things like charity care or your organization in the first place, you know, I just don't know where that leaves a lot of people who could really benefit from these types of things. Yeah. I, th I think, you know, we, we touched on it earlier, like all the stats, you know, number one cause of bankruptcy or, you know, an estimated $195 billion of outstanding medical debt in America, you know, it, it, medical debt is, is so much more than just the hospital bill because yeah, it does. It leads to a cycle of, of, you know, sickness and poverty, like stress, makes you sick. We know this. And getting the big bills after a, a surgery or going through chemo, like um, it, it, you know, it's enough to, to overwhelm someone pretty quickly. And a lot of times it is, it's not just the, you know, there's obviously having a, a, a big bill and debt is stressful, but then it can ruin your credit and it can uh, prevent you from being able to purchase a car to, you know, have a steady transportation to get, have a job to, you know, there's a whole bunch of things. So like the elimination of medical debt um, touches a lot, like a lot of different areas in people's lives that, you know, people just don't realize. Um, and so it, it impacts a lot. Uh, 
outside of just, yeah, getting the bill. So take us through the organization that you've built and and how it's helping people navigate this. Because I think, as you've shared with us, uh, kind of prior to starting the interview, it's it's really become a, a great project and, and one where you're making it easy for people to find out if they can qualify for this stuff. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go back just a little bit. Um, so I, I was doing the crowdfunding thing for, for a few years. And then I, I met this attorney and he said, hey, have you ever heard of hospital charity care or financial assistance? And uh, I'm you know shaking my head like I've never heard of that. Um, he's like, well, I think you could really take advantage of it in, in you know, the work that you're doing. So we meet up a few times and he's telling me and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking like a lot of other people think like, this sounds too good to be true. Like, I've never heard of this. What are you talking about? And, uh, you know, we, we started filling out applications for people and we started diving into these policies and seeing like, does it actually work? (laughs) Because we really had no examples of it actually working or, or anybody that had really knew about it. And, in a few months, we had over a million dollars of medical debt that had been eliminated for people. And at that point, I'm thinking, well, well, first, I had felt like a total chump because I'd been paying all these medical bills for low-income families in Portland that, that would have been eligible for these programs. So it's like, I, you know, that was just like a, I guess, a <laughs> little bit of rage that like uh, motivated me to to continue this on. So I, I shift the model completely to a patient advocate organization. How do I do this for more people? Because it was a lot more impactful than raising, you know, dollar at a time to, to help people pay bills. And why the heck would you pay a bill if you don't have to? <laughs> so uh, we, you know, I, I'm like shouting from the rooftops. I'm trying to tell people about charity care, trying to get the word out talking to reporters and journalists and news stations and nobody wants to, nobody wanted to write about it. It was like, yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, can you just give us an example of a patient that had a really big medical bill? It's like, yeah, I've got a lot of those, but like, there's a solution here that we should talk about. And, uh, so two years ago I got on TikTok and I, I made a TikTok account and I posted a video that told people what charity care was and it just blew up. Like millions and millions of views and, you know, information was, it, it was, it was a wild couple months and dollar four was just me. And I had tens of thousands of people reaching out for help with their medical bills because in the video, like a moron, I told people like, Hey, if you need help, just DM me, like <laughs> see you later. And I'm thinking, you know, 10 people will see this video. Uh, we just did not have a system. So we, we created I say we, myself, and incredible group of volunteers put together a database where we captured the financial assistance policy data for every hospital in the country. So we have a database of about over 7,000 hospitals. And now a patient can put in their household size, their income, what hospital, and it will tell them what they're eligible for. Um, And then we complete all the necessary paperwork, submit it to the hospital, and advocate on their behalf until hopefully the, the bills are gone. How big is your network now, uh, starting from just you advocating for people uh, to a couple of years later? Yeah, so we have we are a team of about twelve to fourteen right now, like uh, between full time, part time, and and some contractors. So it's been a wild couple of years, <laughs> which we've grown uh, from you know doing this in Portland, Oregon, to now nationwide. 
it sounds like it's still a fairly manual process. You mentioned you have to fill out the applications for, for people seeking help, or is it uh, automated at this point? So the eligibility screener is automated. We can tell someone if they're eligible immediately. And then depending on the hospital, our big uh, tech project right now is is mapping all of these applications. So when a patient says, you know, I got bills at Mayo Clinic and they start filling out our forms, it automatically is completing the correct hospital form because none of this is standardized. None of the hospitals, like they all have their own policies, their own applications. And, uh, oh, you know, the past two years, it has been manual. Our patient advocates will take the patient data, copy it over into the right hospital form, and then fax it to the hospital because you better believe that they don't have an easier way <laughs> to submit their forms. Have you gotten any pushback from the hospitals on this? And and certainly I, pushback could take many forms, both in terms of red tape and just people not processing forms or saying it's not in good order. But but have you met any like stronger opposition to this as, as you're starting to scale up? Um, you know, I think that so definitely we've had pushback on certain things. Uh, a lot of times when we bring up issues with hospitals, they say that's a one-off case like that. We don't do that. And then we have to show them like, well, here's five other examples of you doing that. Uh, and so I think that there's pushback on like, no, we, we are doing all that we can to make sure the patients know about this, which I would say is incorrect. And it's just something that they would say. Uh, then the next level would be, we try our best, but it is like a huge administrative burden to try and, you know, how do we tell all these people? We had, you know, one hospital reported that they spend over $7,000 every month mailing out paper applications. Um, and they, you know, they only get, they get 1% of them back. And it's like, well, yeah, because that's, literally the worst way that you could do it. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, why don't you create an online form or, or uh, like create, you know, just make it easier. So pushback comes, yeah, in, in a variety of ways, but it's typically like we're doing all we can and and that's a one-off case. That would be, but nobody, nobody is like, from a general standpoint, hospitals, at least what they say is like, oh, wow, it's so great. That you're doing that we wish more people knew about these programs like we love that you exist and maybe they're saying that because there's a federal law that kind of says that they have to say that <laughs> but uh we haven't you know i don't think we're on anyone's shit list at the moment well we might be <laughs> i don't know maybe you're working on it that you can aspire to that right <laughs> yeah well we'll see we'll see how we uh yeah i mean it's, it's a funny like the relationship with hospitals is very interesting because a lot of times what we're doing is kind of calling them out on, you know, not being great in this area. And some of them take it well and try to make improvements and others ignore it or others fight back. So, so I don't want to steal the thunder of the number. Uh, I, I want to let you share it, but on the homepage of the dollar for website in massive orange print is the number of what your organization has relieved in medical debt. Can you share that with us? I can. So I think it was just last week, actually, we uh, we hit over $25 million of medical debt relief uh, for people Woo! throughout the country. Thank you so much. 
Uh, and you know what's crazy is that was last week we announced that, but the current number, which probably is not reflected on the website, is 25,933,000. So we are probably by the end of maybe even today, we might even hit 26 million. So it's been, uh, yeah, the number goes up and and it's it's super exciting. We have a, a staff celebration Slack channel. So every time a medical bill is waived, uh, you know, we post it in there and celebrate. So uh, if there's any if there's any live impact during the podcast, I'll let y'all know. Sounds good. That's awesome. What a feel good moment. I, I I own a brewery, and when I opened it, I was talking to my friends about how you'll never be upset serving a beer to someone. Like it's just a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's what you do. Sounds like a heightened level of that. Like how good does it feel just to get someone's debt forgiven and help them through like what must be a really tough time? Uh, so the work you're doing is amazing. You referenced the TikTok video you made a couple of years ago. I watched that today. It's incredible. I encourage everyone to go watch it and share it because even though millions of people have seen it, there are still millions more who can see it and benefit greatly from it. So uh, go check it out on whatever social media you can access, Instagram, TikTok, whatever the kids are doing these days. <laughs> yeah, just don't just don't follow the instructions. Don't DM me. Uh, we have a better system <laughs> for that now. Uh, There's better ways. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I was surprised to learn is, is I, I would assume, just looking at this space and how big the problem is, that there's a ton of people doing this and that there's like a, a huge web of organizations that you are sharing space with that are working on medical debt, but it doesn't sound like that's the actual case. Yeah. You know, that was something that I am still shocked at, honestly. Like I, uh, last year we, the, the CFPB came out with a big report on medical debt and they did a, like a white house press briefing kind of thing. And, and I got invited to that. So like I, I get invited to the white house for this announcement about medical debt and it's, advertises like, oh, a, a lot of like the, uh, you know, the, the key stakeholders and that, you know, the people, people in this space. So I'm really excited to meet all the other organizations that are, you know, crushing medical bills. And there wasn't anyone else, <laughs> like it was dollar four and RIP medical debt. Like those are the two big organizations that are eliminating medical debt. Now I'm, I might, might be missing some other ones, but that not at the scale we are like, we're both working in you know, on a national level and RIP is tackling it from a different issue, uh, from, from a different angle. But, um, I was really shocked because I, I, like it, it is such a huge issue and there isn't a list of nonprofits that are doing stuff about it. And, you know, there's some that are doing some policy work and trying to pass better laws. And, uh, but as far as like helping people with their medical bills, you know, today it's a short list. So, when I think of people being burdened by medical debt, I feel like the common thing is folks who didn't have insurance uh, and you're left holding the bag, basically. Uh, but I suspect you're also dealing with a great number of folks who have insurance, just inadequate coverage that left them with still a big bill they're unable to cover. Do you see a lot of both sides of that picture? Yeah, I'd say it's probably 50-50. You know, 50% of the people that reach out are uninsured and then the other uh, half is underinsured. So they might have something through their employer or they might have, you know, just crappy healthcare coverage where their deductible is $10,000 and, you know, they go to the hospital and they get a $10,000 bill. So uh, 
it's definitely, you know, and then, and then we get people that are on Medicare that are, you know, retired and they still have out-of-pocket expenses. Um, so it, it really just depends. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a mix uh, uh, between the uninsured and underinsured, which is like most of America, <laughs> you know, it's like most of America, I think we, we could say is like underinsured, like our insurance is not great. Yeah. I mean, Every time we talk about this topic, I feel like we come back to the fact that there's a systemic issue somewhere here that needs to be solved. And we keep trying to tackle that by patching mm-hmm. little solutions on top of what's already there. Yeah, and there's no question that there's, there's room for improvement in the system. I don't, I don't know that there's anybody that goes, yeah, we're nailing it as a country. Right. And, and you know, what, what that solution takes in terms of its form and shape uh, could be any number of things. But uh, yeah, I think most of us feel like there's something something broken here. Yeah, I, I think that I think we can all agree that you shouldn't lose everything because you get sick. <laughs> I think that that's where like people can all come together. Now, the solutions around that is where we can all fight, you know, for eternity. But I do think that, at least for me, finding out about charity care and that there was actually a law already in you know in existence, like why aren't we trying to enforce this and get the word out? Um, you know, while we're trying to figure out a better way to do this, if that ever happens, um, there's a lot of people that can get help right now. And and how do we help those people and, and make, you know, the process known and and easy and accessible? Um, because right now it's it's not any of those things. So for somebody, if, if we've got any folks that are listening or if, uh, for our listeners, if there's anybody in your network that um, you know of that's struggling with this type of uh, of need, what are the steps? Is it just head to the website dollar four and it's dollar f o r dot org? Um, is that the first step for everybody? Yeah, if you go to dollar four dot org slash help, that goes directly to our eligibility screener. Um, you can go to our website and see if you're eligible. It's five questions, and it you know you can see uh, if you're eligible at your hospital pretty quickly. Uh, I would I would also encourage people that don't just assume that you make too much money. Uh, a lot of people just think, well, I didn't qualify for food stamps. I'm not going to qualify for this. Like some hospitals, I, you know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. So every hospital in Oregon and Washington will waive hundred percent of your medical bills. If you're at or below 300% of the federal poverty guidelines. So for a family of four, you can make up to like 90 grand and still be eligible for a huge discount or, or even free care. So I think that a lot of times people just think, this isn't for me. Um, or they think, you know, somebody else needs it more. Uh, you know, I I don't have it that bad. It's like, no, this is, this is not like, like I said earlier, this is not a, a pile of money that, that goes away after certain people use it. Hospitals get billions of dollars in tax breaks and for, for the sole purpose of providing community benefit. And they do this through providing charity care. If you qualify, take advantage of these programs and we can help you through that. I love that. Um, we didn't share this with you before we had John, just because we didn't want that to be the reason that you decided to do our show. But we are going to make a donation. I'm sure it's a drop in the bucket. But uh, D- Dan and I felt very strongly that that we love what you're doing and did want to share that with you while we're on the air. But but I really before, appreciate so. that. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, yeah, no, it means the world. I like. Every, yeah, every dollar donated, we've been able to to turn into over twenty dollars of medical debt relief. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll send you a couple impact stories of, of people that we've been able to help because of it. So thank you so much. 
Very much our pleasure, and uh, we, we appreciate you giving us the time to, to be on the show. For those of you that are looking for more information, dollarfor.org is the website. We're going to put a link to that in the show notes as well. Jared Walker, you're doing great stuff. Thank you, and we will see you all next time on next week's episode. 